at every moment in time, upon any place, any space in which we live and breathe and walk and embody our souls within our incarnations. We have freedom to choose to be present, alive, willing, supple, discerning, yet loving, or not. And so, from when we're first conceived and born, we tend to study too often, in my opinion, not. I will not trust until I am certain I will live. I will not trust until I'm certain I will win. I will not trust until I'm certain I will conquer. I will not trust until I'm certain that everything around me is my process, as if I were the only object of the universe. And then, for a contemplative like me, every moment, eternity, all time, is wasted in a sense in another being who's approaching oneself, arguing with God, always arguing, always saying, not yet, I'm not ready, I don't trust you, I don't trust anybody. See, let me have the tantrum, I'm going to win. <clears throat> I'm going to harm everything around me until I conquer everything, and then I'll decide if I want to show up or not. And so, if we look at children's books from the last quarter of a century, there are several which come deeply to mind. There's a beautiful book by an author named Shel Silverstein, a gentleman, called The Giving Tree. And this beautiful tree and beautiful young boy are very close to one another, and the tree just keeps giving of itself until the boy realizes the tree is gone, and the boy is so tired he sits down on the dead trunk of the tree. The roots are still on the ground. They may be living or not. They, they would be slowly dying with the condition of the chopped down tree. <clears throat> and yet the relationship in eternity of that tree and boy are one of great resolution of love by their creator, the creator of both of them, of each of them, and through them for one another and for that creator. It's a very beloved children's book made from trees, boards, and paper. We, from trees we cut down and render into paper and the different items which come together to compose a book. And so <clears throat> I was given that book many years ago. I've given countless copies away to people. And so we dwell upon an earth which is experiencing the same argument with the entire human race. Some trees are willing. There might be a beautiful grove of aspen trees up high in the mountains of the southwest. That's beautiful and 
healthy and vital and a person may walk in that grove and experience a singular willingness through the grove of aspens and oneself in ecstasy the breath of life of the aspen grove and the breath of life of the human being and then a great soul is experienced is it the tree is it oneself it is who the tree is of the creator and who that oneself is of the creator realizing oh oh like this this is the path this is the way from eternity to this present moment into eternity and so i state this because this is not a difficult experience. This is an experience that is available to every single human being upon the earth at this time. The trees are ready. Some of the human beings are ready. The earth is ready, as are her waters her atmosphere, the fire at her core, and in the sun, which she circumambulates every day. And the stone, rock, and soil edifice that is the body of Gaia of Earth that is ready too. And so what are we waiting for? We're waiting for something to kill us or conquer us or defeat us or show us that we are not to awaken or not to realize the heaven on earth that is the aspen tree or oneself. When we do practice this, we are responsible. We are responding to the Creator as ourselves, as a child of God. You, me, the aspen tree. The signature of who the tree really is and who you are and who I am, that doesn't really belong to someone as an object. It can't really be controlled. It can't in its most internal auspices be killed or harmed. And yet it is given to the heart of hearts of you and myself to shepherd this planet and one another without killing anyone. Always. That virtue is not difficult. And then the heart and soul in the incarnation take the next breath. And we are innocent. We are willing, yet we are facing something, the future unknown. And then what? And then what? And then what is up to you and me? 
and it's up to the creator for however long this planet is sustained or other realms of the universe. It's up to the weather. It's up to the firmament of the earth, the stability of that, a lack of significant earthquakes and tsunamis. It's up to the nature of the forests and plants where one lives and the animals and the other people. So I turned from Shel Silverstein and the beautiful book, The Giving Tree, to another book which was given to me in the early 1990s, when it first came out in 1992. I was asked to teach a class in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and we thought that maybe eight or 10 people would come, excuse me, would have been in the depth of winter, which I'm in right now, we're in right now, where I teach a class. <clears throat> Please excuse my, my, my deep cold. It's on the mend. And so <clears throat> in the deep midwinter, I contemplated, well, I could teach a class on ideas of world religion that are often not spoken of because people are always arguing about other religions they don't know a great deal about or they've been taught, don't speak that language. It's a fascinating country, but it's dangerous, that one. Not a person who dresses like this or performs those ceremonies. And so the interesting factor about the class is I I said, I can't imagine who would like to come on a Friday night to a class I would teach, but if you'd like me to do it, I, of course I would do it, maybe eight segments, and I could present different ideas in each one. And so the class construed an experience of a weaving of God that several hundred people started coming to. And it began with a gift a children's book which was given to me, published in 1992. The book was written by a man named Douglas Wood, and it was illustrated by a man named Cheng Chi. Cheng Ki Chi. Cheng, K-H-E-E-C-H-E-E. -E -E -E. So they illustrated and wrote this book, and it's called Old Turtle. I found the book so moving because the book is so much like the way I experience the human being. And the book began with an old turtle who found that he was unable to be completely harmonious within his own contemplative being because everyone was arguing, all the animals were arguing. And the old turtle asked them to stop and started explaining to them the reality of themselves and the world. And then the people stopped and old turtle smiled. So I was given the book the, within several months of its publication 
And I am aware of it because I just this last week have purchased several copies for some beloved friends who have young children. I feel that a child reading that book could in some part of their unconsciousness always remember their way home, even if they live to be 100. And so I've been taught the principles of Old Turtle by many, many people in my life. But this is what I want to speak of today because I find that it's not necessarily what we're being taught as human beings, but it is what is real. So <clears throat> I begin with a reference to the late Houston Smith, one of my beloved mentors. Houston was born in China. He was the son of missionaries. He looked like an old Mandarin scholar. He was tall and willowy, slender. He had a short pointed goatee, beard, and mustache. And he advocated the life of the traditional Chinese scholar, the way in which one contemplated and looked at beauty and might have a brush on which to paint a single letter regarding that beauty and look in that direction as one began the morning with tea or coffee. And the writer's stone to rub the ink on in which to write his reflections and studies, which he passed on to generations of scholars around the world, particularly here in the United States. And <clears throat> the little uh, jar to place the brushes in or wooden hanging post to hang the brushes upon. The fan, these are the accoutrements of the Chinese scholar. So if one walked into Houston's office or if one were to walk into the room where we're recording this, one would see on my table no weapons, but brushes and an inkstone and fans upon the wall. So that beyond any words with which we might commence our conversation, we would be referring to the great sages of the past. May they guide us from heaven upon this earth through all the places which do not yet know their signatures, their words, what one is to write with the brush, which color one is to rub with the stone, the inkstone, how the watercolor should flow. But one knows, ah, we are meeting in the great place, in the heart of hearts of the great souls of the world where heaven dwells. We are to seek realizing together the direction heaven is addressing in us so that we know what to do as humble scholars of eternity here in this moment upon the earth. In Taoist and Confucianist literature, in the oldest unbroken culture in the world, and 20% of the population, that scholar is considered the grandfather, 
the one who has remembered for us, this way, my child, wisdom. This way, my child, love. This way, my child, nature will show you. And whether words or silence are used, this way, my child, please choose and follow your grandfather. Unspokenly, follow your grandmother. Follow your ancestor and unspokenly, follow your ancestress using Kuan Yin, the compassionate deity of feminine wisdom. If you need a physical emblem of that grandmother. Follow the dragon, the guardian of heaven. And then the fire of the sun in the center of the earth doesn't burn one. The waters don't drown one's breath. The atmosphere doesn't fill one's breath. The earth holds one from conception and birth to long life. That the heart is content and the free choice one has made to smile beside old turtle is one of wisdom and of great love and of the direction that shows the children currently being conceived and born this way. This path, your own signature of heaven beside that of other children of your era. Then what occurs is not the foolishness <clears throat> of trading different stories about a war. We could sit in within five minutes, find different versions of the wars which afflicted our ancestors. We could argue about our love or hatred for leaders of your or my nation, or the people of this culture or that culture or who did the wrong thing, who is the victim, who the perpetrator. We could argue until we hated each other enough now to stop speaking and to pick up arms until one of us harmed or deeply injured or killed the other. But the great soul is paying attention to the place and the dark of the forest where all of a sudden a firefly alights and a child asks, what was that? And the father quietly states, a firefly. And then another and another and another. <clears throat> I've told this story before, but I grew up in an area of Western New York State where many spiritual occurrences historically are part of the nature of the history. They are present in the Haudenosaunee or Iroquois Confederacy of the number of tribes of those nations. They're present in the women's history. They're present in the history of the Mormon faith. They're present in histories of spiritualism, Quakerism, various denominations of 
early settlers from Western Europe, French who came down through Canada, so French Catholics. And so <clears throat> there are all different kinds of religious theologies. Oh, this happened here and this 60 miles away and this 80 miles away. What an interesting neighborhood or region. And so in the particular story about the fireflies, <clears throat> we were in a grove of trees, which has been kept uncut since the early settlers' days. So it was never domesticated, never treated with any kind of pesticide. And so on the night I'm speaking of, the evening, just as it turned toward dusk, <coughs> excuse me, after sunset there was one firefly and then another and another and another and another until there were thousands of them there were many fireflies in my childhood but on this particular day with John and his then adolescent children three children it was an astonishing unsought experience we lingered in glorious majesty of that creation, the grove of trees, the grasses and ferns, the pathway through, and the fireflies. So the quality which occurs in most of our lives is one of studying one's own culture. This is the history of your parents and grandparents, your language, your manner of dressing, eating, furnishing, working. And it tends to be counterposed toward or against other human beings. And there's very little reconciliation composed in the lives of most human beings about all of humanity. Yet we're taught in most religions we're supposed to practice a golden rule in a general way with one another. But when we walk upon the earth and we're walking with Confucius or Lao Tzu from China or Houston Smith, his wife Kendra is 100 years old this year, If we're walking in the terrain of Jesus and his extended family, or we're walking in the terrain of the Buddha and his wife Yasodhara and their son, and their rivers and elephants and skies and pastures. Everywhere we are walking, there is the nuance of the creator of the firefly. And the incandescence of holiness is the only direction I am ever studying. So I watch with a particular quality of mindful sorrow at the awkward seeming sophistication of the media, 
the political and social and corporate industrial complexes, striving to conquer one another. When what's really occurring is that the incandescence is very vibrant right now, pointing us all in a direction of the will and the ways of Old Turtle. Interestingly, the Iroquois Haudenosaunee people have an emblem of the turtle, that we're upon the back of the turtle, Mother Earth, and that the quality of that is reflected in the area of the finger lakes, the very region where I was walking with John and his children. It's considered to be the very back of Old Turtle. And the Finger Lakes, Cuco Lake, the lake of my family cottage, is considered to be one of the little troughs down in the back of Old Turtle's shell, filled with water. And then the hills on either side, the parts of the shell, the segments of the shell, of old turtle, this earth upon which we walk. And so when you practice with your prayers and practices and you turn toward remembrance, let go of the places where people have rejected the incandescence of the firefly that is you. As you enter the present moment, Invite the Creator to imbue you everywhere throughout your incarnation, every moment, every thought, every breath, every action, and be responsible to be that incandescence, embodied as a virtuous human being, so that every moment into the future which you enter, you represent for children coming all over the world, this way, child, to sit beside Houston Smith at his desk. Look at the fan hanging on his wall. Look at the bristles of the bamboo brush sitting by his scholar's pile of papers and books. Ah, beyond all fighting, there is the place where Lao Tzu and Confucius met. Remember? That we might still practice today, walking together, without breaking apart a nation or any part of the human race, but rather turn and ask, Are you thirsty? Would you like some tea? And you, are you hungry? Let us see what might we feed one another with here today. So that the wealth of heaven, protected by the dragon, comes to this earth and is the bounty and goodness of our lives, yours and mine. Walking through war zones historically, I've been fortunate enough to not be killed or shot 
I've been threatened. I was threatened twice in a war zone, but not harmed. Once a guard realized I was managing the refugee camp hospital, he put his Uzi Samata weapon, automatic weapon down and let me pass. But I have friends who were not so fortunate. Everywhere I breathe and walk also goes into them and may the blessing of heaven go into them wherever they are now. Then what begins to occur is a place where everywhere on this earth there are fireflies because of you, because of Houston Smith, because of Kendra Smith, because of me. Let us pray and practice.